Hey there, welcome to the Bible and Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me on this episode. Here on the Bible and Life, our goal is to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology, Bible teaching that's kind of rooted in the context of everyday life, that deals with everyday life questions, it's in the language of everyday life stuff, so that you and I can learn the Bible and follow Jesus right in the context of our everyday life. And I love seeing people grow in their faith and deepen their walk with God as they engage the text of Scripture. And uh, my hope and my prayer is that this podcast can be a tool to that end for you and for your friends and for your family. So thanks for joining me here on this episode. If you are a longtime listener to the Bible and Life podcast, man, I am grateful for you. I'm so glad you're part of the Bible and Life family. If you're a first-time listener, if this is the first time you've uh, listened to the show, welcome. Super glad you're here. And I pray that it's helpful to you as you seek to learn and live the Bible. We have been in a series over the last handful of weeks here on the podcast where what we've been doing is wrestling with this tension between the already and the not yet. That's often the way scholars express this tension. But what we mean by that is, uh, as we said in our very first episode in the series, the, the episode titled You Are Here, that we're looking at where we live in the map, really, of salvation history, that you are here. You're in this place where the ages overlap, where the age to come, the life of heaven has broken into the here and now, and yet the present age, the age of this present world and the powers of darkness still remains, and those two ages overlap. And so we're wrestling with that tension. And what I want to explore on this episode is another aspect of Christian living that is shaped and influenced by this overlap, by this tension. And that's specifically the, the topic of flesh versus spirit, flesh and spirit. And this shows up primarily in Paul's writings, uh, Ephesians and Galatians and Romans. Uh, Paul deals with this tension between flesh and spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a fairly young believer, a lot of the sermons and a lot of the teachings I listened to, both at church as well as even when I was going to Bible college, presented this tension between flesh and spirit as if I had two warring components within me that battled against each other, fought against each other. I had a fleshly nature and I had a spiritual nature. And those two things were both at work inside of me and they fought against each other. But that's that's not quite the way Paul expresses it in his letters. Um, I, I don't think we've paid close enough attention to Paul's language and how, how Paul's language about flesh versus spirit is actually shaped by the already not yet overlap that we've been talking about. That the Apostle Paul doesn't express it as if we have two natures, both within us, both powerful and both at war for us. Like one of the ways it was expressed when I was a younger believer was it was expressed like like this old kind of 
uh, imagery between, you know, that was, uh, it was almost like a Native American imagery. And there was like these two dogs, these two wolves within you. And one was bad and one was good. And which one won, you know, for the battle for your soul was the one you fed. So make sure you feed the good one, not the bad one. Or, right. It, it was this whole idea that we have these various warring components within us. But that's just not quite the way it expresses it. In fact, in Romans chapter 7, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, when we were in the flesh, like notice that, when we were in the flesh, that's past tense. The implication of that is that we're not in the flesh anymore. That in and of itself needs to help inform how we understand the word flesh at a variety of levels. Obviously, he's not talking primarily about our physical body because we're still in that, correct? So when we were in the flesh means flesh is being used for something other than just our physical bodies. And Paul often uses the word flesh in this way, and it refers more to uh, almost like a mode of living, almost like a a kind of humanness in its fallenness, if I could put it that way, that flesh in Paul's writings often refers to that. And notice also when he says, when we were in the flesh, that means, okay, that's not who we are anymore. That's not what governs us or controls us or shapes our identity anymore. So we need to pay really close attention to what Paul is talking about by this contrast between flesh and spirit. So what I want to do over the next few minutes is look at two passages one out of Romans 8, one out of Galatians 5, where Paul develops this contrast between flesh and spirit most fully, and just listen closely to what he's saying so we can understand Paul's thinking on it, so it can shape how we understand it, so that we see how this language is shaped by this already not yet tension, and then we can live more fully the kind of life that Paul envisions for us to live. All right, so let's jump in. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. I'm just going to read down about nine verses and kind of comment as I go to help us hear what Paul is saying. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This grows out of the end of chapter 7. At the end of seven, Paul has been wrestling with the things I want to do, I don't do, uh, the things I don't want to do, I do, what's wrong with me, and then he, right? But that's all set up by a question about the Old Testament law. And so now he's explaining how God has solved this problem in and through Jesus. And so um, condemnation and sin and all this has been dealt with through the powerful work of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit. So the work of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit marks the beginning of this overlap. Um, it's the time period in salvation history where now the age to come is broken into the here and now. And so for those in Christ, there's no condemnation. Why not? Well, he goes on to explain in verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. In chapter 7, he's been really wrestling with the Old Testament law and how the Old Testament law couldn't set people free from sin, death, and condemnation, how it actually led people still into that. Even people who loved God's law and wanted to do what was right still found themselves doing what was wrong, and so the Old Testament law was not capable of delivering people from sin, death, and condemnation. But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Notice, has done that. It's present tense. 
Already you've been set free from the law of sin and death through the Spirit, through God's very own Spirit who has given life to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so in Christ, through the Spirit, we're set free from the power of sin and death. Paul goes on to explain in verse 3, 4, what the law, meaning the Old Testament law, what the Old Testament law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. So Paul's already explained in Romans 7 that the Old Testament law is good. It's holy and righteous and good. It teaches God's ways. There's wisdom within it. But it couldn't deliver people from condemnation and sin and death. And here he tells us why. Weak as it was through the flesh, through the through human fallenness, the law could not change that. It couldn't reverse the course of human nature. It couldn't bring new life into human being. It spoke from the outside, and yet human fallenness is an inside job, as he explained in chapter 7. And so now there's got to be a new situation, a new change that actually can set us free from that, because the flesh, our fallenness, is so strong that something's got to give. Well, the thing that has given is Jesus has come, he has died, the Spirit has been poured out, and so this is how God did it. God, uh, God set us free from the law of sin and death. How? By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what God did was he, he enabled us to actually fulfill the requirement of the law. What's the requirement of the law? Holiness. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord God Almighty. You can read that in Leviticus 19 and 20. It's the refrain of those two chapters. That's ultimately what the law was getting at. It wanted to make a holy people set apart for God that would display God's wisdom and brilliance to the world. But the law failed to do that, not because it was bad, but because the, the raw human material it was working with was bad. What Paul calls the flesh, human Human beings in their fallenness, human culture in its brokenness and its fallenness was weak and could not be the holy people that God called them to be, even if they loved God's law and wanted to do it. Uh, and so now that requirement of holiness can be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's that contrast, flesh and spirit. So the flesh... If you think in terms of that overlap that we described in uh, the first episode of the series, you are here. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it just to make sure. But we talked about this overlap. One line in the overlap represents the present evil age. It's the world in in its current systems and ways of doing it. It's humanity in their fallenness. It's marked by what Paul here calls the flesh. The flesh is part of the old order, the present evil age, the age that is passing away. And then you have the new age, the age to come, the age of the new creation, the age that has broken into the here and now by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and the consequent pouring out of the Spirit. So the Spirit marks the age to come. So if you're in Christ, you 
are now in the spirit and you walk, that means you go about your life, you carry out your life according to the spirit. And those who are in Christ and walk according to the spirit can actually live out the very requirement of the law, which was to be God's holy people. And so we can do that. He goes on in verse 5 and says, For those who are in accordance with the flesh, well, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. They focus on, they think about, they give their attention to, they fill their mind with the things that are part of broken, fallen, sinful uh, human cultures and human desires and human ambitions. That's what their mind is occupied with. That's the focus of their life. That's what their whole life is oriented to. So those who are in accordance with the flesh, literally those who are of the flesh, which Paul's already said is not us. So those who are of the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are in accordance with the spirit, literally, again, those who are of the spirit, well, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. The mind set on the flesh, he says, is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And so those who are in Christ and who walk according to the spirit, their life is revolving around the things of the spirit. They, they fill their mind with it. The focus of their life is on the things that God, through his spirit, cares about and is prioritized. The ambitions, the aims, the goals, the loves, the passions, the desires of the spirit are the things they're beginning to fill their mind with on a repeated basis. And he says, that's life and peace. And then he goes on and explains, the mindset on the flesh, well, that's hostile to God, doesn't subject itself to the law of God, it's not able to do so. But those who are of the flesh, they cannot please God. However, verse 9, listen, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. This is the overlap. These two modes of doing life uh, uh, overlap concurrently right now here on human earth. Uh, here on planet earth and here in human living, there are two different ways of doing life. One, Paul sums up as the flesh. The other, Paul describes as the spirit. Two different ways of doing life. One, um, according to human wisdom, uh, by human resources, for human ambitions, the flesh. The other, according to God's wisdom, by God's powerful spirit, for God's aims, God's goals. That's the spirit. Two different ways of doing life. And what he just said in verse 9 there was, if you're in Christ, you're not of the flesh. You're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. Notice how stark that is. We don't have a fleshly nature and a spirit nature at war within us. Those describe two ways of doing life for two different realities. One is the life of the age to come. That's the spirit. One is the life of the old era, the old age that's fading away. That's the flesh. And in Christ, you are now in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And so, since we are of the spirit, since that's who we are as Jesus's people, we're spirit people, right? We're of the spirit. The main thing we need then to do is to walk with the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. And Paul has mentioned that here in Romans chapter 8. He said that the righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us who walk according to the Spirit. So that's the main thing we need to do. Since that's who we are, we need to live according to our identity. You, if you're in Christ, you are 
of the Spirit. You have the Spirit of God. You now have been raised up with Christ. You now have the life of the age to come at work in you by God's very own Spirit. You are a Spirit person. You are of God's Holy Spirit. And so we then, who are of God's Spirit, we need to learn to live out who we are. We need to learn to walk, carry out our life with the Spirit, by the Spirit. Paul goes on and explains this in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, verse 16. Galatians 5, 16 says, Now I say, walk by the Spirit, catch this, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's how powerful the Spirit is in us, that it, it can uh it can overcome the very desires of the flesh. In fact, Paul is very emphatic in Greek. He can't totally translate this way in English, but he literally says, walk by the Spirit and you will not not carry out the desire of the flesh. You can't do that in English. It doesn't really work. But in Greek, there were two different words for not. Paul uses them both here when he says you will not carry out the desire of the flesh to emphasize it. In other words, walk by the Spirit and you most certainly will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you definitely will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Well, why not? Well, because the desire of the flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh. These two are opposed to one another, so you can't do whatever you want. That's what he says in verse uh, 17. In other words, the flesh has different wants. The flesh has different aims. The flesh has different uh, desires, right? Like the fallen way of doing life that marks fallen human culture, fallen human society, fallen human beings, that fallen way of doing life, it's got whole different desires and aims and ambitions and loves that it's pursuing. And the, the spirit, on the other hand, in contrast, has a different set of desires and aims and loves and wants. And so if you're walking by the spirit, you're not going to do what the, the flesh wants you to do because the spirit has different ambitions, different goals, different aims in you. Those two are opposed to one another. So you can't do whatever you want to do. Now, there's quite a bit of detail that we could go into here in Galatians 5 from the overall context of the letter of Galatians. Don't have time to do it on this episode, but if you want to know more, I do have an audio commentary on the book of Galatians over on my Listener's Commentary website, or you can search for it right in your podcast player, Listener's Commentary, and you can find the uh, the episodes on Galatians there, and I've got a whole segment on the book of Galatians, but also on Galatians 5 here, and you can get all that detail, right? So if you want to know more about Galatians, Galatians 5, check out the, my work there on Galatians on the listener's commentary. But Paul's point for our purposes is that the flesh and the spirit, as two different modes of doing life, have two different motivational structures, two different aims, two different loves. And so if you walk by the spirit, you're going to be carrying out the spirit's desires, not the flesh's desires. And then what he does is he goes on and he lists some of the things that the flesh manifests itself in, the kinds of deeds we read about all the time in the news or hear about even on social media or hear about from our friend circles. He just lists them off. Uh, the deeds of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like that. 
that's the kind of stuff that the flesh produces. That's its approach to life. Those are the things it leads you to by virtue of its desires. And he says, of which I forewarned you, and I forewarn you again right now, that those who practice those things just will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's just, that, that path does not lead to God's kingdom. It leads elsewhere, right? But on the flip side, when you walk by the Spirit, here's what gets produced in you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He goes on, says, against such things, there is no law. Like the Old Testament law is never going to condemn you for being loving, joyful, peace-filled, patient, kind, good, faithful, right? Like the law or the Old Testament law or any other legal system is never going to condemn you if you're marked by those kinds of things. And that's the stuff that the Holy Spirit produces in us when we walk by the Spirit. And so he says, now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Again, past tense. It's already been done. They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Um, and they've been made alive by the Spirit. So he says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit as well. Since the Spirit has given us new life, this life of the age to come, let's keep in step. Let's carry out our life moment by moment, day by day, in step with the Spirit and the Spirit's desires. This, this is the overlap um, as really how we live our life. And why does it feel like a tension? If we're not of the spirit or not of the flesh, but of the spirit, if we don't have two natures at war within us, why does sometimes it feel like there's a war going on? And the reason it feels that way is because we're in the spirit, but the flesh isn't gone, right? This is the overlap. The Spirit has broken into the here and now. He's been poured out. Those in Jesus have been given the Spirit, but they live, they carry out their life in a world that is still controlled by and marked by the flesh. And as a result, they have to make an effort to walk with the Spirit. They have to make the effort to keep in step with the Spirit. They have to, in Romans 8, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. This is all describing effort-filled, intentional activity, empowered by God's grace and enabled by his Spirit, but still takes effort on our part to do because the, the fallen way of life still persists here on earth. And that's the reason it feels like a tension. It's not that there's two natures within us that war within us. It's there's two ways of doing life overlapping at present in the world. One, the fallen way of life, and the other, the life of the age to come, the, the way of the spirit. They overlap in the here and now. We used to live by the fallen way of life, and we're not immune to its desires. We still have the residue of that within us, and so we can be triggered by and stimulated by various things within this world that are broken and fallen, and they stir us up, and immediately we're tempted to do wrong. And so we need to learn to walk by the Spirit. You just can't follow Jesus unless you walk with the Spirit. You can't follow Jesus unless you walk with the Spirit. In fact, I love the way A.W. Tozer says it. He says the Christian would collapse from sheer external pressure. It's pressure from outside of us. It's pressure from the fallen way of life around us. The Christian would collapse from sheer external pressure were there not within him a counter pressure sufficiently great to prevent it. The power of the Holy Spirit is therefore not 
optional but necessary. Without it, the children of God simply cannot live the life of heaven on earth. And that's what we're called to do. We are God's people called to manifest to this world the life of heaven on earth. We can do that, Paul has said. We can do that by the power of the Spirit if we walk by the Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we walk by the Spirit? Well, let me just mention that briefly. Again, in my Basics of Spiritual Growth course, I've got, uh, I've got a whole segment on this, and then I detail it for several sessions afterwards. But here, let me just at least mention it briefly. How do we do that? How do we walk by the Spirit? Fundamentally, it's an attachment. It's an attachment to God by His Spirit. God's Spirit becomes our walking partner in life. We go through life with Him. That's really what faith is. And that's what God wants more than anything else is faith. This loyal, loving union and trust with Him. Attachment. So that's the fundamental thing. But that attachment, like all other important attachments in life, has to be cultivated by and fostered by the certain activities that we put in place to deepen and cultivate that attachment. So that's fundamentally how we walk by the Spirit. Attachment plus activities or activities that lead to this deep attachment with God's Spirit so that he becomes our walking partner in life. Um, there's a, just a discipline to being present with a person, isn't there? There's just a discipline to being present with any person, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your, your social group, like setting down your phones, uh, focusing your attention, uh, listening closely. It's the same with God. It's the same with his spirit. That There's a discipline to that, that we have to discipline our mind, our heart, our focus, so that the spirit becomes really the walking partner in our life. We have to consciously invite him into the moments of our life. We have to pause at various points throughout our day and, and just reconnect and reattach and remember and invite him back into our, our day and be mindful of his presence around us. So that's part of the activities is intentionally uh, you know, putting in habits and plans to reconnect with him and consciously be aware of him. Setting our mind on his thing. That's another activity that helps us walk by the Spirit. Like our mental orientation around the things of God, the things that we uh, allow to occupy our minds, that we fill our minds with uh, maybe scripture that helps us remember what's important to him. We fill our minds with images and patterns of things that we know the Spirit wants us to do. So we set our minds on his things. Or other activities, classic spiritual disciplines, praying, reading the scripture, memorizing scripture, meditating on it, fasting, uh, worship. All these are intentional activities that help us be mindful of the, the presence of the spirit within our life, that help us uh, walk hand in hand with him as we go about our life. And and so, as I said, I developed some of those activities and how to do that more fully in my Basics of Spiritual Growth course that's available under the Courses tab on my website. And you can check that out if you want to. But the point is, is we live our lives in deep attachment to God by His Spirit through activities that foster and cultivate that attachment. That's fundamentally what it means to walk by the Spirit. He is the walking partner in our life. 
um, and that is fostered and cultivated by intentional activities that help us live attached to him. And we can do that. That's Paul's point. Since we're of the Spirit in Christ, we can do that. We can invite and welcome God into every part of our day. We we can welcome him as our constant companion and friend. We can listen to his word, and which means we're listening to him communicate his values, his priorities, his desires to us. We could listen to that and we could absorb that into our being. We can memorize it. We could pray and talk with him in an ongoing conversation throughout the day. We could arrange our life to foster a deep attachment to God by his spirit. We're in the spirit, not the flesh. So we can walk by the spirit. That's that's fundamentally how we become like Jesus from the inside out. If we do that, what Paul has said is we will know life and peace. If we do that, increasingly and progressively, love, joy, peace, patience, and all the other fruit that the Spirit produces will become a part of our character, part of our life, and will more instinctively respond to life and the, the, the situations of life with those sorts of character traits because the Spirit will have produced them in us from the inside out. So we, as those in Christ, we are also in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So we can walk by the Spirit. Let us do that. Since We live by the Spirit, Paul says, Galatians 5.25. Let us keep in step with the Spirit as well. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. This is such an important topic. So much more I could say on it. But I hope this was enough to help you understand what it means to be in Christ, united with the Spirit in your life. And I pray that it helps you walk with Him moment by moment, day by day, because that's the way that we can really become like Jesus from the inside out. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. I pray you have a blessed week in Christ. God bless you. I look forward to talking to you again next week.